You back? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Man, I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Gather together from the cosmic reaches of the universe. You mean our guest tonight is... Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace. It's the world's greatest superpower show. Welcome to Minding the Multiverse. My name is Gabriel. And I am Jeremy. And we are here to talk comics, culture, and the three main types of patrol strategies. Active patrol, paw patrol, (laughs) and of course, the oft-overlooked doom patrol. So Jeremy, what kind of doom will we be patrolling today? (laughs) Oh, well, it's Grant Morrison yet again, so um, lots of weird patrolling, let's put it that way. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Well, uh, so for everyone listening, this week we're covering the first arc of Grant Morrison's run of Doom Patrol for Vertigo Comics. We're not going to cover the whole thing, but just the first storyline that Morrison uh, took on for the book. So the year is 1989. George H.W. Bush is sworn in as president. Both the internet and Taylor Swift were born. And the number one movie in America was Back to the Future 2, a grim, disturbingly accurate representation of the Warhammer 40K world we live in today. (laughs) I love Back to the Future movies. (laughs) That one's my least favorite because that one's the scariest. But they're all so good. One is neat, three is stupid and fun, (laughs) two is like kind of legitimately scary (laughs) i love it i love it so much uh i I think i had too much of a crush on leah thompson to see her get like super gross and like (laughs) trump's wife like that became like too much to to watch (laughs) she did that role really well too that was the scariest part for me not any yeah what happened to leah thompson (laughs) she just needs to go hang out with howard the duck i was gonna say i'd rather her end up with howard the duck (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But in all seriousness, I I wanted to start out with a quote from the man himself, Grant Morrison. Quote, remember when all the other kids on the block had Superman and Batman as positive role models? Well, if you could identify with a human brain and a metal body or a guy wrapped up in bandages, and if you grew up weird, welcome home. You're among friends now. (laughs) End quote. And speaking as someone who grew up weird, I am looking forward to this. This sounds fun. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. It's there's there's it's only four issues that this art covers Mm. and and it's not super dense, but it's weird and it's there's a lot to cover. There's it makes your brain go. I I love weird. So everybody pull all your weird up around your face like a big cozy turtleneck sweater and settle in as we fall down these strange twisting narrow rabbit hole that is Doom Patrol. So we're going to be covering Doom Patrol crawling from the wreckage. So it's it's Grant Morrison. I, I keep saying that, but if you have never read. <laughs> it's like a preface. Like as you're running, it's like, okay, so Grant Morrison. Yes. Now we can go into this. <laughs> now you know what to expect. You you, you get to, you, you expect strange, you expect oddities, uh, misfits, people that are, Interesting. you know. Interesting, yeah, and and not run of the mill. He definitely it's not run of the mill stuff. True, yeah. His characters are often very out of left field. Yes, very much. And I I didn't know much about Doom Patrol before I read this small arc, and I honestly still don't know much about the Doom Patrol <laughs> after this four book arc. It, it's a uh, 
you know, doing the research for this one, come to find out that, you know, there's, you know, everybody knows there's a TV show, but yes. the, the comic was started in like the sixties, like in 1963. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a whole run of this book from then as well. And I have no idea about what they were like. I do know from what I saw is it, it was fairly lighthearted. It was kind of a kind of a lighter book before um, like in its original 60s run. Right. Yeah, I really don't know. <laughs> I I haven't read any of the books. I haven't even looked into it. I just did the research for this one. Right. And uh, so it's it's a little weird jumping in at this point because yeah. this Grant Morrison run is also kind of like, it's almost like the third version of it, even though it's considered volume two. And it's because the guy who revitalized it, Paul Cooperberg, I think that's how you say his name, he revitalized it and, it, and it's a post crisis event so like these these characters take place in the same universe as Superman it's trying to find its footing and it only went 18 episodes in the new launch and just wasn't going well Mm -hmm. and Grant Morrison was hired to take it over um, for book 19 and I I read that you know Grant Morrison when he was taking over the writing duties Cooperberg assisted him in writing out characters that he didn't want to use so even before he started writing it he was asking the old writer to cut the chaff and get rid of the things he didn't care about. That's got to be a weird conversation. Like, I'm taking your job. I don't like how you've been doing it. Can you kill off half of these people that you really care about? That'd be great. I know. It's it's kind of <laughs> crazy. And I have no idea how much that might take place when a new writer comes in. Yeah. I would imagine that it's a, there's a little bit of communication there. You have to know what people were thinking and all that kind of stuff. And I imagine on the character too, I, I've, I've heard Kevin Smith talking about writing for Batman. You have a little leeway, but not a lot. Like you have right. to, you have to stay within a certain boundary. Like he created his own villain just so that he could, you know, kind of just stretch, you know, a character without, you know, getting in trouble. Right. So, so I think it, it depends on the character. So these ones at this point, you know, kind of on their way out, I, I'm sure it's probably more of a blank check. Yeah. And, and because it's not, because it wasn't being written by Morrison originally, they were pretty standard at that point. You know what I mean? Like Because he wanted to change things up so much that when he used DC's Invasion crossover to restart, mm-hmm. right in the middle of the run. You know, so it's it's a huge shift in terms of what the characters are like, I guess. Yeah, and, and like we said at the top, like anytime Grant Morrison takes over anything, it's a huge shift. Yeah, he <laughs> goes off the rails. He he definitely yeah. does his own thing. And he does a lot of wacky shit here too. It, it's really cool. But I don't know anything about the past team. I, I haven't read any of the old stuff and it's I think it's a bit of a detriment because when I'm reading it, there's characters that I'm supposed to already know and I don't. So there's a little bit of a, you so know. a few references, you know, you, yeah. you lose if you're just jumping into yeah yeah for example at the very end of the arc there's like a a a prologue you know um oh wait prologue no epilogue that's after yeah okay sorry i had my words wrong (laughs) i i I totally went with it too i was like yeah that that, that works (laughs) nope epilogue afterwards and it mentions this character and i'm like huh i don't know but it's it's not it's not explained who this is you're just supposed to know so there's definitely references to characters that were you know written out or changed that right I don't know. So starting there, you know, it, it's, it's, it was kind of like when we talked about year one, like you get Selena Kyle kind of popping in and out yeah. because she's important to the overall story. But this particular arc, you know, it doesn't have a whole lot to do. Exactly. So, so right. it, you know, we, you know, fortunately because, because it's Batman, we know these characters. So when Selena right. Kyle does pop up, you go, Oh, I know who that is. I know where this is going. Okay. And you're, you can put it in your brain 
you know, and then that's fine. But in something like this, it's a little more foreign. You know, when they start dropping other names, you're like, who was I supposed to know who that yeah. is? Wait, did, yeah, did I it, read it, this name and not remember it? Exactly. Yeah, she's she's like she's in a hospital bed and she's alive where everybody thought she was dead. So I guess oh. that should have had some weight to it. Like, oh, she's alive. Right. But for me, it's like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> you know, I don't know who that is. So. So it, it lacked that that soap opera totally. reveal moment for you, where like totally. everyone else is like, <gasps> and you're like, who 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 is yeah, this? What just happened? Can somebody give me a recap? <laughs> yes, and and that's fine. You know, I I yeah. wasn't really interested. I haven't even watched the TV show, so I wasn't really interested in the Doom Patrol at all until I found out that Grant Morrison had written a chunk of it, and that's what got me interested because I just like his work. Yeah, isn't that neat? Like you can you can have no interest in a property, and then you hear. A certain writer, and he's oh, yeah. all right. Yeah, yep. I'm down. Yeah, you know, like I'm down. Any, anything Grant Morrison or or um, um, who wrote Preacher? Uh, Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis. Like that's a name. Like if I, if I see Garth Ennis, I know. Oh, I'm in for trouble, but it's going to be like a really interesting ride. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny you bring him up. I was going to use him as an example too. Like I was never a big fan of the Punisher, mm-hmm. and then Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon did a run together on Punisher, and I was like, well, I guess I'm a fucking Punisher fan now. Yeah, yeah. You put those two names together, it's it, that one dimensional character. You know, you can you can suddenly get excited about like, oh, I know yeah. this is going to go somewhere. Yeah, like, I know this is going to go somewhere really neat. And it was awesome. I I bought every single one of those issues that. Garth Ennis wrote, you know, and I really liked it. I think that's on our list, right? If it's not, it will be. I think it was an early one that you put on the list. I'll have <laughs> to go through the it. list. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, I really love it. So, yeah, if I did put it on the list, then yeah, eventually we'll get to it. But yeah, for, for listeners to, to know, we, we have a running list of all the things we're going to cover, and it is now 200 some odd items. Some of the ones. Yeah. That- most of them I've heard of, some of them are complete strangers to me. It also illustrates just how bad of a comic book fan I am. <laughs> yeah, because this is a list of a hundred of things that like we haven't read. <laughs> haven't read, claim to be comic book nerds, and then realize that a lot of the shit that is like the defining moments of comics and history is like, I've never read that. I know. I know. It's terrible. We're, but we're getting better, and we're going to take you with us, listeners. That's <laughs> part of the reason why we started this is so that we can catch up on all the shit that we did not pay attention to yeah so we're trying to be responsible for you yes exactly (laughs) you should learn from our example uh so it starts off issue 19 this is when he takes over and uh the arc is called crawling from the wreckage like we had talked about Mm -hmm. it's i mean the cover already Mm -hmm. is very striking yeah the covers are very interesting it has a very strong like early 90s design aesthetic very which which yeah. was totally ahead of the curve in that period like that sandman kind of feel where there was a lot of like kind of surrealism in the covers which was really neat to even see even inside even the inside art too like there's there's a couple of a couple of pages in here that's like what the fuck were they taking <laughs> I love those you know, pages. Those absolutely, pages. they're they're fantastic. The, I I have a digital copy of it that I'm reading from. I don't know if it's the scan, but like mm-hmm. some of the colors are really wonky. You know, mm-hmm. I, that just might be the scan, or maybe it was scanned from an old book and the colors have Could changed be. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but regardless, you know, it's still the art is by Richard Case. I'm going to assume that he did this cover for mm-hmm. issue 19, and it's it and all of the inside art is very much kind of an old schoolish Marvel style, you know, not quite the same as Marvel cause it's not Marvel, but, um, but the colors are all very striking and the characters designs are way different than your typical heroes. So it automatically is eye catching. So it's, it starts the, 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 the cover shows, you know, this guy made of what looks like gold, at least on my screen. Mm-hmm. And he's, <laughs> 
in like this horrible purple fire and he's in some serious pain and it's like what happened to this guy and you know why do i care but <laughs> who is this inflamed man and why should i care <laughs> yeah why is he metal why is he in flames and why is he screaming i mean it looks like he just like watched his dog get hit you know it's yeah. like horrible horrible pain yeah. um so we open the book and it starts off with a race and it, again the colors are very striking. It's not your typical colors. You know, there's a lot of purples, a lot of, and it's, it's a surrealistic look because it turns out that this is a dream. It's a guy in a formula and race car and, you know, he's hauling ass and, you know, he's talking about, you know, how fast he's going and, and he's obviously into this race and, and then he sees something he should have seen it. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like a hindsight thing. I should have seen it. You know, I was going so fast, but I, I didn't see it. And then the car just flips. Big explosion. You know, people are running to the scene. And it's like, okay, so this guy died. Right. But at the bottom of the page, we see that driver, he's burning in this purple and red flame. And his skin is coming off. <laughs> and you're seeing this metal, these metal shapes starting to come through. And it looks like he's holding his brain. And he's and he says, I saved the beautiful bit. It's like it's like what the fuck? And then the, the very next page, that's page one. The very next page <laughs> Welcome. is a yeah, is a huge is a, is a is a single page splash page of the same robot from the cover, uh-huh. slightly different color. <laughs> he's a little more orange at this point. And he's in bed and he's just screaming. And that's where you see the crawling from the wreckage title card, right? So that's a fucked up dream to have. Like it, it, it feels like a dream, you know, with all the, the fire and all the, the vibrant colors and the, the holding your own brain thing. That seems like that seems like dream behavior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and when I first, you know, when I looked at the page and I saw it, I, I, I looked at the art before I read the page and it was just like, OK, so this guy wasn't human. And then you turn the page and you find out that he's dreaming. Right. And so as we go on, the next few pages is introduces us to this man. And his name is Cliff. I'm going to assume that a lot of people have already watched the show. So they know that this guy's name is Cliff Steele. I, it, was, it was a good show. Oh, I, <laughs> I, you know, I haven't watched it yet. And I, I'm like I said, I'm a bad fan. But another reason why I'm a bad fan is because I love Brendan Fraser. Everything he I grew up watching his uh-huh. movies. So I'm a yeah. huge Brendan Fraser fan. And he's he plays Cliff yeah. uh-huh. in the show and I haven't watched it yet because I'm horrible. It's it's mostly his voice. Right. Um, right. And uh, unfortunately he, he plays a kind of shitty person. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, that's fine. You know, I just need to see Brendan Fraser as a yeah. as a jerk. He's so nice in real life. Yeah, he's he's a he's a he's a big boy in this show too, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so so anyway. Anyway. Yeah. He, he, we find out that it's a dream. He wakes up and, you know, he's alone in this room. And basically over the next, what is this, you know, two pages, we find that Cliff is in a mental institution. He put himself mm-hmm. there. Um, not too happy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's uh, whatever he's gone through. I remember, this is alluding to something that I haven't read yet. He's right, gone through right. some shit. And right. he was a part of the Doom Patrol, blah, blah, blah. He's in a mm-hmm. psychiatric hospital. He gives the orderly shit who's just trying to give him his, his medication. He calls it a, what is it, a nutrient take and cliff says to stick it where the sun don't shine hard yeah okay that that tracks for the character in the show yeah okay yeah he's <laughs> he's not happy with his current no. situation they make it very obvious right off the bat okay 
Um, so, so he's in the psychiatric hospital. He's not happy. Then we see, and this is kind of a weird call because I missed this uh, by the end of this of the fourth issue or the yeah the fourth issue. I missed this, but there's a like a there's like a orderly or a uh, janitor mm-hmm. who's picking something up and putting it in his pocket, and it's this round sphere thing. And I don't know why this guy is here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why this round sphere thing is here in the very beginning of this of this issue 19 because mm-hmm. we see him later and it must be something that happened prior to issue 19 okay. for for the for the reader to know what the hell this it's, is. It's, it's a callback to something. Yeah, because it makes no damn sense, especially <laughs> since later in the book we see this guy again and he's holding this black sphere thing that hadn't been mentioned at all. And I totally missed this this guy in this very like hmm. what is this fourth page. Yeah. I just thought he was just a just it was just a, a background character. Yeah. yeah. So so anyway, we see that. That's something that I just realized last night actually as I reread these that no. this guy was here. Neat. Yeah. So it's a good thing that I reread it cuz I totally missed it. I I'm sure I missed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's anyway. Grant Morrison. You would need to have like like a a fair amount of like psychotropics in your system to to get down to the, you know, the ground floor level of what right. he's talking about. So yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's okay. You're going <laughs> to there's, everyone's gonna miss something out of this story. Absolutely, and yeah, and there's some there's shit that I just won't understand. It's either too metaphorical or you know just too fucking out there. Right. Um. So oh, another thing to note is that there's a lot of quick cuts in this in this book. It it jumps from one person or a group of people to the next every page or so. Hmm. You know, sometimes it's a couple pages, but it's back and forth between different sets of folks. So. We get one page is of that. Is that pacing distracting, or is it? Does it no, work? it's not distracting when you read it. It all okay. makes sense, but like trying to describe it to our listeners mm. is is kind of making me feel like <laughs> I'm not going to do a good job of it. It's like okay, so we're jumping back and forth a lot. Anyways, <laughs> so we get one page of of Cliff not very happy, mm-hmm. right? And then we jump over to another hospital. It's the it's a memorial hospital, and we're introduced to Eleanor Poole, Doctor Eleanor Poole. And she is working with somebody named Larry Trainer. And uh, again, don't know who Larry Trainer is. It's it's mm-hmm. you know some it's a callback. And he's okay. he's in this book from now on, but I don't know who he is at this point. Okay. And it's such a good, like a plain name too. Yeah, Larry Trainer. Yeah, an alliterative or, or anything ominous. It's just like it, it yeah. almost seems like Grant Morrison like opened a phone book and like just randomly <laughs> picked a name. <laughs> Uh, you know, and this is an old character, so it wasn't even great. It was, it was, uh, it wasn't even like him that named this guy. This is a character that's okay. older. Okay, you know what it. I mean? All these, all, most of these characters are are old, as far as I know. Okay, I could be completely wrong. Our listeners will let us know, of course. <laughs> but yeah, Larry Trainer, Eleanor Poole, it's his doctor, and she's on the phone with somebody, and she's like, "Yeah, can't wait to see you. Can't talk to you. Got to see you soon. Whatever. Bye." Mm-hmm. Okay. And then that's where we get that splash screen of, of the janitor. I'm like, uh, so there's a janitor, whatever. I didn't understand it, and I probably should read the first 18 right. issues, and I'll fucking know. <laughs> she hangs up the phone, and yep. then we, we cut to the next page, and we see that another phone is being hung up, obviously the person he was talking with. And we're introduced to Joshua and a man named Calder. Uh, Joshua is... He's... a just a regular dude and he's he's just he's just checking on people he's just seeing how everything's going and this takes place in the aftermath of the first doom patrol team being destroyed uh be it deaths or resignations or just leaving 
And they're talking about how Joshua is moving on and not taking up Calder's offer to start a new Doom Patrol. And you can see in the background of all the art, it's, it's you know, there's holes in the walls and it's kind of a mess. It's like a warehouse. And there's uh, boxes and stuff. Like people are moving things out of this building wherever they're at. And Joshua explains he's only there to see how people are and to wrap up his time there. And, and then it's at this point that you know, Calder reminds him to call him chief. So is, is Calder in charge? Was he like, yeah, yeah. That's at this point, that's what I'm getting. You know, he, and especially since he says, he says, you know, reminds him to call him chief. So he's like the head of the doom patrol. And, uh, he's obviously trying to get Joshua to like come back. And since he's a part of the team, you know, when I was reading the story for the first time, I assumed this Joshua guy has some kind of superpowers, but it's, it doesn't say they don't talk about it at all. But they're, uh, they're, as they're talking, they're walking out. And he's still trying to get Joshua into joining. And is Joshua in any kind of like no, costume? No, he, he's, he's like literally wearing a friggin' green sweater that um, Mr. Rogers would wear. And he's got brown pants on. <laughs> he's got a green sweater on. He just looks like a normal dude. Yeah. Okay. And, and right. Calder, he's in a wheelchair. So he's kind of, you know, Joshua's pushing him around. And, uh, you know, they look just like normal dudes. But this whole time they're walking out of the building. They're exiting. He's still doing what he can to get Joshua to stay with the team or rejoin the team. And Joshua's just not having it. But there's the way that Chief or Calder, whatever you want to call him, the way he's acting, the way he's talking, it's kind of shady. Like like he knows something that Joshua doesn't know. You know, he knows something that mm-hmm. that that you, the reader, don't know. He's planning something. Just like good, like X Files. Yeah, kind of stuff. it's like you know, like the the smoking man. Like you know yeah. stuff. You you know yeah. Stuff. You, it's like you think you're done. <laughs> I don't trust you. Yeah, you know it's stuff. it's just kind of like yeah. You say you're done, but you're not. You'll see. You know, right? And, and like Joshua says, you know, like it or not, I'm part of the big plan, right? He's, he was like, don't tell me that because I'm not. And he and and Chief turns around. And he's like, oh yes, you all are. So. He's not just talking about Joshua. He's talking about everybody who's been in the team who's still alive. Okay, so he's he's being shady. So we don't know what's going on with that. A little, little yeah. ominous. And then and that's only two pages, and we cut back again, right? We we cut back again okay. to Cliff. Um, he's being visited by. This does kind of have like a soap opera pace to it. You know, it's like it's like you tell your A story, da da B story. Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. It, it is. It's real quick. You know, it's it's a little bit of information and then it cuts to new character to the other characters. And so you're getting both, you know, different perspectives of of everybody all at the same time. So it's it's not hard to follow when you read it, but it might be a little when I'm telling right. it. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to Cliff and he is being visited by somebody named Will Magnus, who was the creator of the Metal Men something i don't know about i know a very little bit right yeah we were talking and, about um, that yeah so uh, i am going over uh justice league identity crisis right now and one of the first kind of off you know side characters you meet or you see is will magnus and i had to do a little like who right. is this and then as soon as i mentioned it to jeremy he's like oh yeah i'm writing about will magnus right yeah, now so it's a it's <laughs> it's weird to see like a d-list right. character like pop up in two places at once yeah it's kind of neat though and and like you say, you know, he's this non-superpowered genius and he, he creates these metal yeah. men and he's obviously in a position of some kind of power or in the know. And so, yeah, why wouldn't characters like that 
cross over to other books, especially in the same universe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he seemed like a like a Reed Richards, but without powers. Right. You know, so just like a super genius, and then, yeah, you would just you know, and 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 he's still on the the side of good, but he's not he's not suiting up. And fighting right. Anybody, exactly. You know. Yeah, and he he's he's yeah. you know he's showing a lot of concern for Cliff. So again, I'm going to assume that there's part of the story that I don't know, and that they've known each other for a long time. And if if you haven't seen the Metal Men, I have um, if if you okay if if you're familiar with the really scary Wizard of Oz movie. <laughs> The one with like the wheelers. Yeah, and that's stuff. Wizard of Oz too with um, Fruza Balk. The Tin Man in in that movie is like this squat, almost like pumpkin shaped, um, monster. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and um, the uh, I think it's gold. I think the gold a metal man is. It looks exactly like him. Like it's it, it's a it's these weirdly. That's shaped, awesome. Like they don't look like robots. You know, they they look like Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> you know, made uh, of. That's awesome. Metal. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, there's some influence there, huh? Yeah, it has to be. The first thing I thought of was was scary, scary Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Of Oz. And, uh, oh I love that one. That was a great one. I bet you do because you're scary. Changing heads and faces. That was awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> we find out that these two know each other, and and Will is very worried about Cliff. You know, he's he can tell that Cliff is depressed, right? And we also find out that that Will Magnus is the one who created Cliff Steele's New robot body. Which makes sense. It makes sense. It's like his wheelhouse. He created the metal men. He created the robot body. It doesn't seem, though, that Cliff is really, like, reciprocating the, the, the niceties. He's, he's like, I don't fucking care. He's not impressed with this guy. And he said that he would throw up on him if he had a real body. <laughs> like, he's ta- he's like, hey, how's it going? He's like, oh, I'm going to puke on you. Like, okay, well, calm down. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Like, you could be dead. But instead, you're not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you're you're a brain in a metal mannequin, but it's you know, it's better, better than death. not being here at all. <laughs> but you know, he's he's. Dep- I mean, like I said, he has put yeah. himself into this mental institution. He is having a breakdown. Yeah, in that mindset, he's not in a exactly great place. Not a happy camper. No. Um, you know, so that's we meet Will, and we find out this is where I at least this is where I found out that uh, Cliff's name is. Or uh, Cliff Steele. I didn't know that. So they have their little conversation, <laughs> and you know, Cliff is just pissed, and Will is just trying yeah. to help. That's what it seems to me, right? So okay. then we cut back over yet again. We cut back over to the other hospital where Larry Trainer is at, being overseen by Doctor Eleanor Poole, and shit gets fucking weird. Like right off the <laughs> bat, it's like it's a simple, typical conversation, you know. Hey, Doc, when do I get out of here? Huh, huh? And she's like, well, probably sooner than later. <laughs> you know, just that kind of banter between patient and I. Right. And Larry's just this regular looking guy. And he's laying in bed reading a book. And, oh, 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 first of all, he hits on the doctor. Doesn't go well. She's She's got a boyfriend. And Larry's just a regular dude. As far as right. I know, he's just a regular dude. Okay. See, like physically. The regular guy. And I didn't know anything about this character until I read this book. And so, yeah, for so for somebody who's already read some of this stuff, they're going to know, oh, yeah, no, Larry Trainer's not normal. So he hits on the dock. It doesn't go well. She leaves. He's reading his book. And all of a sudden, his room just lights up. And there, it's this bright, blinding light. And it's, again, very stark, very colorful, you know, bold artwork. It's a really great page. And, like, Larry is flipping the fuck out. He is scared <laughs> as shit. And the, and the artist, you know, he did a great job, even with this old school style, you know, of showing just how frightened he is. Oh, God. You know, he's freaking out. 
and this thing starts to talk and it starts and it's talking really strange and this is kind of typical Grant Morrison where he there's always a character that has a strange way that they speak he has a thing with making somebody talk really strange like they talk really fast or everything there's no sentences and they just keep talking and blah blah blah, blah, blah it just runs on just a, a fun way to, to write yeah yeah you know a, a different voice. and it just it separates yeah. them from normal you know anyways he starts to you know this thing is like all creepy and shit and that's when he starts to freak out yeah that would that would be enough for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> Larry I'd be out yeah and no, good. so he he rips open these curtains and this thing it's it's all black surrounded by this bright yellow light and he's he's like what do you want what the hell's going on it's the way it talks is so unsettling because it, I mean on the page there's there's no punctuation okay. or spaces it's just all ran wanna, together so uh I saw you. You had this written out here. I wanted to see if I could if I could read it. Um, not not reading. Yeah, it before go ahead. So, <laughs> the sentence you you've uh, highlighted here is: "I am the spirit in the bottle, the invisible fire that works in secret. There is a stick amongst the root of the tree. Roots of the oak tree. Oak tree. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, and that doesn't make any fucking no, no. sense. I want, okay, I want to read it slower. I am the spirit in the bottle, the invisible fire that works in secret." There is no, yeah. There is the tick among uh-huh. the roots of the oak tree. Yep, and I'm looking at the page right now, and I'm pretty sure there is tick among the roots of the oak okay. tree. Yeah. So, so there's something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I at guess. the roots of this very strong. Yeah, and it's it's crazy, and I have no reference for this character or what the hell this thing is, and that's kind of the detriment of reading this arc the way I have is that I, I don't know. You know, I think just, just treat it like, you know, a good drug trip and just, you know, Hey, whatever happens, happens. You just enjoy the journey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Anyways, this guy, he's speaking and, and Larry Trainer's freaking the fuck out. And then it starts to, I, I'm, I'm assuming that it's speaking out loud, but it could be in his head too. And he's like, open the window. Uh, you know, let me in, let me in, let me in. And so that's where we leave off. And he's freaking, his face is like, fuck, right? So we cut again, cut back, and it is Cliff outside now going for a walk with the Will Magnus guy. And and it's the Cliff is getting more and more distressed. He's getting more and more upset. And Will is just trying to talk to him. And he's just, he's saying all these things about how he can't feel anything, you know? He, he kind of explains how, you know how somebody loses a limb and they have phantom pains or yeah. itches. He's like, he's like I have phantom whole body. Whoa, like, that would be awful. His, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would be terrible. You know, it his whole body, he feels it, but it's not there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ooh. And so he's freaking out. Yeah. It is too much for him. And that's why he's where he's at. And Will is like, Jesus Christ, fucking calm down. Like... <laughs> Get a hold of yourself, you know? <laughs> In true scientist fashion. It's easy, buddy. <laughs> Calm yeah, down. just just stop it. And and it's not working. And that, that kind of sets Cliff off. He's like, f- he's like fucking, or, yeah. or you know, Lair, or Will says, you know, don't destroy yourself here. Calm down. Mm-hmm. And Cliff gets pissed. He says, destroy myself, you know? And he just slams his head into this brick wall that they're next to. You know, and Whoa. destroys the wall. And he does it like three times. And he's, you know, I can't feel anything. Wow. You know? 
So he and he's now he's on his knees and he's just like make it stop, wow. you know. And Will's just standing there, kind of holding his hands like, uh, yeah, okay, you know. So yeah, he's Cliff is fucked. He yeah. is depressed, and he's he's you know yeah. he's missing his body. Can't feel it. <laughs> it's a big thing to miss, you know. Like like the body is the brain's car. <laughs> you take it away. Exactly. Exactly, and he he doesn't feel like himself for multiple reasons. Literally, not himself. That's probably just a glimpse into my own psyche of how I how I treat my own body. <laughs> yeah, I need to be nicer <laughs> to mine too. This this used hunk of shit car I'm driving around. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> I don't treat my vehicle very well. No. I should change that. So that's just two pages again. Cut back to Larry. He's still dealing with the shit yeah. outside of his window. Or now that he opened the window, it's inside. Now it's inside. Right? Okay. Things have gotten worse. <laughs> yeah. He, it's like a spirit or an apparition. You know, don't know exactly what this thing is, yeah. uh, but it's not new to Larry. You know, he's talking to it and he's like, you've never spoken before. Oh. And and it's it seems to have some kind of pull over Larry to some extent. Like Larry obviously didn't want to open uh-huh. the window. But he was kind of forced or or um, compelled to by this thing, right. right? And Larry says, "You know, you've never spoken before. What the hell? Uh-huh. What's going on?" Um, it's it's just more of the same art. Very striking, very scary. He's like whirling around Larry and floating up in the air and just saying that he needs something. He needs to him to call the woman doctor. Hmm. And and Larry's like. What do you need that for? Yeah. You know, what do you what do you need her for? And while he's asking, he's like he's touching the call button, the emergency button. Oh, and that yeah. So like he's saying like no, what do you need right, her so for? But while he's talking, entirely in charge. Right, right. Yeah. He he presses the button like oh, oh shit. <laughs> right. You know he didn't want to do that. And he this this spirit this apparition thing it starts to talk about needing another body, needing this woman. I need the woman here. It's necessary for my purposes. Mm. And Larry, like I said, he's just kind of, you know, not in control. And then this thing says... And that's never something you want to hear from someone close to you. I need the woman. I need her for my purposes. Uh, That's never a behavior you want to encourage. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Especially since now this guy, he's extremely scared of this thing. Yeah. And and he said, you know, Larry asked the question, what what do you need him for or her for? Mm. And this apparition says, you know, Larry, the union, the fusion, the alchemical marriage. Mm. And he says, and Larry says, no. So it's this crazy scene. I'm not going to describe it too much because it's really cool. It's a lot of really great art. And uh, the apparition thing is saying, you know, to take my hand. Larry's trying to resist. But while he's crying, tears streaming out of his eyes and this radiant light beaming down on his face he's his hand is creeping towards this other hand right mm-hmm. not in control some shit happens people are rushing towards there's a lot of ruckus going on now you know rushing towards the room the doors pop off it's a whole mess and the next page i'm not going to describe it all because i just want people to see it basically he's the apparition is holding larry's hand and he now is holding dr Poole's hand mm-hmm. and shit goes down right <laughs> And I don't want to describe it because it's a very cool page. I would just want people to see it. Now, can can other people see this? 
this apparition? Absolutely. Okay. And there, so it's not just entirely in this guy's head. No, okay. no, it's not. This is all happening in the real world. Like the doors exploded off of his room. There's this freaking ghost thing that's bright as the sun floating in there. And now there's the three of them holding hands. And the art is very cool. And like you said, a very psychedelic type stuff, you know. And yeah, there's other people there. They're, oh my God, you know, the, the people are freaking out. Okay. So very cool scene. So something is happening to them, for sure. Okay. Uh, and then we cut back over again to Cliff. And he's still whining. <laughs> <laughs> he's still whining. And I can't tell if this is the same day for them because they're, they're kind of all over the place. First, they were like in his room. Yeah. And then they're in a cafeteria. Now they were outside on the steps. Now they're actually inside. And uh, so this could be one day. This could be weeks. You know, right. Yeah, right. I, I don't really have a frame of reference gotcha. for the time. I think I think Will's wearing the same jacket. <laughs> Is it like a lab coat? <laughs> it's no, it's like a it's like a tweed professor like mm. coat. Is he wearing the same tie? It might be the same day because he's okay. wearing the same tie, too. I just went back and looked at the page. I was just thinking, like, I have a I have an inside coat and an outside coat. If anybody saw me. <laughs> over the series of a week they might think it was the same day <laughs> the thing is the same day no I think this is the same day and this he's very professory so kind of imagine in your head a tweed button down jacket you know a green tie button up shirt and he's like he's literally got a pipe he's walking around with a uh, fucking pipe nice. in the sand yeah okay. now yeah. it's official very yeah very <laughs> professory but yeah so you know Cliff is still whining mm-hmm. and Will starts to tell him you know he's like you know there are people that are worse off you know, your situation sucks, but, like, it could be worse. And Cliff is like, bitch, name one. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> really? And he's like, I lost my entire body, yeah. and my brain is seated in a metal casing, and I feel nothing. How can anybody be worse? I'm, I'm a living Commodore 64. Like, name yeah. one person. Is <laughs> it worse than I do? <laughs> exactly. Um, and th- another thing that I missed is that on this page... Uh, there is a guy who is cutting himself. And remember, he's in a mental institution, right? right? So there's a guy that's cutting himself. He's saying a bunch of weird shit. Doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just kind of whatever, you know? It's just background crazy. I didn't, yeah, I didn't didn't really take note of it when I first watched it. Um, But he mentions someone or something or a group of people called the Scissormen. Oh, okay. So it's it's one of them, like in the same same hospital, you know, like an Arkham kind of thing. Uh, maybe, or it. I think the effects of what happens later is already starting to show up and affect the people who are a little bit more sensitive Got to strange it. shit. Oh, that's way worse. So, yeah. So he this <laughs> this man, whoever he is, uh, his name's Ralph. Mm-hmm. Um, he's already you know in a compromised situation. Yeah. He's mentally ill, and so. I think it started to affect those kind of people first. Yeah, those people were more sensitive. Yeah, and that's kind of the theme of Doom Patrol is that they're the misfits. They're the ones that understand this shit mm-hmm. because nobody else can. Right. Nobody else has lived the life that they've lived, and so nobody gets this shit, and this is too fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, and that was like the, the, the quote at the top you know, from Grant Morrison. That's that's kind of specifically what he says is, you know, if like if... If you don't identify with, right. you know, the the shiny happy heroes, you know, and you, and you identify with some kind of messed up weirdos, like here's here's where you go, <laughs> I got you covered exactly, <laughs> and and it makes sense, you know, it's it's it also kind of reminds me of the uh, Umbrella Academy 
You know, mm. like the Umbrella Academy, I think, took a lot of inspiration from Doom Patrol. I Yeah, I could definitely see that. Mm-hmm. It's it's the whole misfit thing. Yeah. You know, we don't fit in. And, and it's more like it, they try and play it like the world is kind of normal, but they're not. Right. Yeah, it's almost like a like a uh, Doom Patrol X-Men. Yeah. You know, kind of. You can think. Yeah, yeah, totally. Where they're kids. You know, they're, they're trying to figure it out. But but yeah, it's but it's much more nuanced than. Right. Than like the X-Men where it's just there's a villain and we have to fight the villain. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're fighting themselves too. Yeah, yeah, mostly. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so Cliff is like, he's like, name one. Who's worse off than me? And Will, like, he stomps off mm-hmm. to the door, like all pissed, mm-hmm. and kind of leaving Cliff with his head against the wall, feeling sorry for himself. And he turns around and he grabs the door and he says, "Okay, follow me." Right. So they go outside. It's raining, and he introduces him to a woman named Kay. I'm going to say Chalice. Okay. C-H-A-L-L-I-S, but it could be Chalice or something. No. But <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Who knows? How fancy you want to get with it. Do you, do you, want, right. to, do you, want, to, do you want to flex your French tongue today? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so he introduces her him to Kay Chalice, and that, but she refers to herself as Crazy Jane. Mm. And he, he goes on to explain a few things about her, but the most important thing is that she has 64 different personalities Ever since something called the gene bomb mm-hmm. went off. Again, a callback to something sure. that happened that I have no clue. <laughs> and that ever since the gene bomb was set off, each one of her personalities has a unique metahuman ability. That is crazy. That, that's such an interesting way to, to really allow some variety like in your character. You, know, you can really go wide Absolutely. with that. Because at 64, like one of those powers has to be like reflavoring a Slurpee. Like I know. <laughs> one of them has to be completely pointless, but you're just in a situation where you're like, dope. Like I wanted blue and they were out. Yeah. You know? I, <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> that's, now, now that's on your list of top 10 powers. Like, that's hilarious. Flavors. There's and it, and you're right though. Like, like Grant Morrison does a good job of kind of, kind of spreading it out. Mm-hmm. We don't see a, all of her powers in this arc, but we see a handful. Yeah, Cause them. if you were just 64 different, versions of Superman. Like that's that's not. Yeah, that's that's boring yeah. shit. Yeah. So so he introduces her him to Crazy Jane and she's outside in the rain and she's painting. Hmm. It's an interesting in the rain strategy. Yeah. <laughs> that's like watercolor extreme edition. It's really strange. <laughs> there's 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 a metaphor for it, but I'll let the reader read oh, and okay. find out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why Will introduced Cliff to her is because he has a disassociative problem. He can't feel his body, and so he feels totally out of place, oh, right? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. So she is worse off because right. there's 64 different personalities she's contending with, not just not feeling, oh, I feel kind of not like myself today. Right. She literally is different people whenever the fuck they want right. to be. So, so in essence, she has to get used to living in a different body all the time. So, you know, she's introduced to Cliff to be like, all right, you have to do it once. And that sucks. I realize that. But here's an expert right. who does this. Here's exactly. 27 times a day. Right. And she's going to walk you through this. Right. <laughs> going to help you feel at home in your body. And she, she, and, and it's, and he's right. Will is right. You know, this the Cliff guy is just feeling sorry for himself. So he needs somebody to kind of, hey, it's not so fucking bad. Like yeah. here, meet this person. She's way more fucked up than you. <laughs> And she doesn't even know, like, the extent of these things yet, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Like, there could be some some persona in there that is just 
a maniac with a horrible ability. Like we don't know yet, right? Yeah, it seems it seems like a something you could almost bet on though. <laughs> like exactly. One of those in there is gonna be a supervillain. So Will explains that she was horribly abused and you know, it's a dissociative problem. So she's all of these identified so far 64 separate personalities or something that she used to cope. And then the gene bomb and powers, blah, blah, blah. Oh, right? okay. So she had the personalities before. So she had multiple yes. personalities before. And then when the yes. gene bomb went off, it granted each of those personalities their own superpowers. Correct. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. That's actually more interesting than I thought at first. <laughs> yeah. No, she was, she was already a disassociative or whatever they want to yeah. call it. You know, that's this was, this was written a while back. So here they call it a, disassociation with split personalities. Oh, right. Some of the, some of the terminology, yeah, has probably changed. Yeah, yeah, so it's different now. I'm not sure what it might be called yeah, we, nowadays. Yeah, we don't mean any offense if we're using old terms. We're, we're reading a book from the 80s. Yeah, so this is right off the page. <laughs> if there's a, a technical modern term for it, that's what she is. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, and so, and so yeah, Will's like, you want to talk about problems, Cliff? Say hello to this, this lady. She has problems. And... He thinks that, you know, Cliff is the only one that can actually help her as well. Not only can she help him, mm -hmm. you know, by making it, you know, hey, the grass is kind of green on your side. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you can help her. Huh. Right. And and so he, you know, they talk a little bit. They're in the rain. Will buggers off. He's like, I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got business. So, yeah, like, you know, like I am a not made of metal and be not crazy. So I'm getting out of the rain. Right. I'll see you guys yeah, later. Getting out of here. You guys right. hang out. <laughs> yep. He bounces. And we see a little bit of a little bit of some of these powers, right? Like he starts to hallucinate mm -hmm. the 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 painting kind of comes to life. Ooh, neat. And and he's like, yeah, that kind of happens. This is you know, <laughs> Will Will said that before he left. He's like, yeah, watch out, that happens. Ever since shit went down with this gene bomb thing. Neat. So he jams and and they're just standing there in the rain talking and uh, you know she says everything's ruined everything's gone and they're just standing there sad and wet and lonely and he's like hey let, let's get out of the rain hmm. so that's how that ends so we're introduced to these two sad sacks hmm. that are miserable but now they could be miserable together and and them meeting in the rain is so appropriate oh like you, you, yeah you, of course you, that's like the saddest place like if you can meet you know if you just have just be completely drenched that's that's the saddest point. <laughs> <laughs> yep, totally wet. Everything's ruined. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just totally yeah. unhappy. So once again, we get a cut, and it cuts to like what looks like a police chase, and this car just fucking just blasts into this uh, uh, bus going at least I think the guy says eighty. You know, just crashes into this car. Cut to the crash scene where a cop is telling how a man in a car plowed into a Greyhound going at least eighty. Mm. But but then this guy. I mean, it's a fireball, right? So yeah. The bus is on fire. The car is on fire. He was hauling ass. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. No. 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 He does well in that scenario. <laughs> no. No. It's bad. It's bad. And then we see, you know, the cop is explaining this to like the reporters or the detectives or whatever. Oh, that's right. It was. It was like a company man, and this guy walks out of the fire holding a black book, an all black book, and he's bone, right? Whoa. His hands are, are bone, his his face is bone, and he is just repeating the word Scissorman. Ooh. The Scissorman. Scissorman. Ooh, that's creepy. <laughs> it's super creepy, and it and, and again, it's using, the fire isn't red and orange, this is kind of like, you know, it's a very mm. purpley and red and uh, 
maroon fire and i i think that's they use those colors to you know for dreams or for callbacks it's not happening in the moment interesting so it's their way of delineating the two i guess uh but the book is totally undamaged the the two detectives are taking the i i assume they're detectives they're not detectives they work for a higher agency i think maybe the fbi uh, okay but they take the book and the book is totally unscathed yeah because that seems like something you'd want to hold on to because like <laughs> the the melting point for humans is much higher than the melting point of a book. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's strange. And and so they have this book and they're like, okay, we'll be in touch, blah, blah, blah. You know, typical banter between yeah. cops or whatever. He says, you know, this man in black stuff's really getting me down. And this is the guy who like took the book and was interviewing the mm-hmm. cop. And they're like, yeah, this, you know, basically it was like, yeah, this shit sucks, mm-hmm. right? So what happens to the book now? And the guy says, it's out of our hands. All we have to do is call the company. Don't know who the company is. Then he says the company calls the Pentagon. And then the Pentagon calls the president. And then the president calls Niles Calder. That's his name. Remember we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Niles Calder. So it wasn't his first name. It was his last name. And you're right. Got it. So, So we find out that this chief guy is definitely in the know. Like he is a person of importance. So I think company is is slang for the cia oh yeah, okay so, so, i didn't know yeah, that. I'll, I'll double check that. i'll leave this in if i'm right <laughs> if i'm wrong i'll edit this out <laughs> but works. if i'm right yeah i think i think the company is slang for the cia so that, that would that chain of command that would make sense, sense. Yeah. that would make sense yeah so that's how that that's how the book ends uh issue 19 ends with this horrible crash a man walking out of the flames holding mm-hmm. a book that did not burn while speaking about the scissorman which was a call yeah. back to what that 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 poor fellow who was cutting himself yeah. you know and that's some symmetry right there i mean it starts with a mm-hmm. you know fiery crash you know and it, it also lets us know the very last line and he calls niles calder it lets us know that niles calder is somebody very important. yeah he's he's high up in something yes so yeah so that's the end of that book and so we jump over to issue 20 and let's see these all have their own chapter names of oh, course he- um i thought it did Maybe <laughs> here's this neat feature oh yeah wait never mind <laughs> no no it does i'm sorry i just was looking in the wrong spot so the first one was just titled crawling from the okay. wreckage yeah. right yeah that's the whole arc and then this next chapter in the arc is called Cautionary Tales. And uh, I really love the way this book opens up. It's weird as shit. <laughs> it, it's so... You'll, you'll know why in a second why I love it so much. I, I would love to have a, a counter where each time we say, it's weird as shit... Like just just to have like a running shit. tally in the corner. We could hey on the YouTube <laughs> yeah. video version of this, we do a count. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird as shit, and it is. It's really strange, and it's like, why would it start off in this place? There's no reason for it to start off in this place. But Grant Morrison is weird as shit, <laughs> and this is where he decides to start this next part of the story, and it's a priest. Well, rather, it's a fa- it's Father McGarry. And he's walking through a dump and it's a Saturday and he's there looking for miracles. He's looking for a sign. Okay. And I, I don't know why he's in the dump looking. Right. For Is it. that like a regular thing for him? I, he's, he says Saturdays, he trudges out to the dump looking for God amongst the debris. Okay. Saturdays are always the longest days and the winter chilly. And in the, and then this guy, father McGarry, he sees a sign 
It says, "Has have faith in God. It's a literal sign. Yeah, it's just a literal it's sign. Like, it's not a metaphorical sign. It's not a voice from the heavens. It's literally nope. a sign. <laughs> it is a sign. It is a literal sign covered in muck because he's in the dump. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then it, it shows his face smile. He's like, oh, there's a, an actual sign, and I approve of the message, right? <laughs> and you can kind of see these outlines above his head, and the next panel shows a fish. A fish uh-huh. fell and landed on the sign. Hit the sign. <laughs> so from above, not not a dead fish on the ground at the dump, like an actual nope. fish from from the clear <laughs> blue sky. There's clouds, but it's not raining. It's not totally overcast, and it's raining yeah. fish. Welcome to metaphorical signs. There, there's your literal sign, uh-huh. <laughs> and then there doesn't get a better metaphor than a fish falling a from fish. the sky, which is not where fish come from. Not one fish, right? It's not one fish. The father, you know, in the next uh-huh. the next page, you know, it's mackerel, it's herring, it's sea bass, uh-huh. pike, sturgeon, tench. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that one. P l a i c e. I don't even know what plich plich. How do you spell it? It's p l a i c e. I have no idea. No, never heard of that <laughs> fish in my life. But it's it's raining it from the clear blue one sky. Fish. You could be like, all right, a bird was carrying it and it you know, dropped it. And, you know, whatever. That's 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 like a school of fish. That's a different problem. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely a school of fish. A school, a multiple, a variety, different kinds of Got fish, it, yeah. a variety. But funnily, so he's looking up into the sky and he's smiling, and it's like you can tell, like, oh, here's the sign he was looking for. <laughs> a weird miracle to be happy about, sure. but it's still a miracle nonetheless, right? Yeah. If and that's what you were looking for, you'd, you'd be excited regardless. You would be excited. Yeah. It, I, I mean, a normal person would be scared out of their fucking mind. A normal person wouldn't be walking through the dump on a Saturday. <laughs> right. Looking for signs of God. <laughs> anyway, that's Grant Morrison for you. He's weird as shit. So he looks down and he says, no cod. He notices that amongst the fish, there's no cod. I don't know why the priest or the father hadn't mentioned that, but it's something that he noticed (laughs) right before, right before he is literally splatted into nothingness by a giant refrigerator. That was unexpected. (laughs) A a 50 style white refrigerator that you would see in anybody's house, but scaled up to the size of a three story building (laughs) and it falls Directly on him, and then one last little fish kind of bounces off of it. Oh my god! So a literal giant ass refrigerator. Oh, this is so weird. It's weird as shit, and and I you know now why I like that scene for multiple reasons. But yeah, it's great because he's he's looking down and he's like, ha, you know, fish <laughs> fell from the sky, and then in the shadow, you know, finally, I'm 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 right. This is the greatest moment of my. <laughs> Well, what's great is that he the shadow comes and he looks up and his his face Aww. right before he's turned into muck is of one of absolute terror. And it's delicious. So that's how book two or rather book twenty yeah. starts off with a, a priest in a dump looking for miracles, finds one, and is promptly smashed by a giant refrigerator, which is also a miracle in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not let's not look that that gift horse in the mouth like that's that's a hey, he f- yeah <laughs> he found what he was looking for <laughs> right. a little too closely be be careful what you yeah wish for. yeah maybe maybe show up there afterwards but miracles is kind of something that comes into play later okay and, and you'll you'll we'll see why hopefully Got soon it. so 
We can now cut back to, to Larry Trainer, who were back at the hospital, and we see Joshua and Chief. They're there. Okay. Um, a new a new doc, not Doctor Eleanor Poole, mm-hmm. uh, is telling them that this quote unquote creature seems to be some kind of amalgamation of Larry and Doctor Eleanor Poole. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "What?" They're like, "What the fuck are <laughs> you, you know, talking about? What is that?" <laughs> Like what do you what do you mean? And and you say it has both male and female characteristics. They're like, yeah, what the hell is going on? That's why he says it's an amalgamation. Mm. It's like the two got shoved right, together, right. right? So they they go into the room. He's like, here, see for yourself. Come see our magic hermaphrodite. <laughs> Josh hasn't said. He's only said one thing. He says creature. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought we were talking about Larry Trainer here. Like, what do you what do you mean mm-hmm. creature? How come you're using that mm-hmm. word? So the doctor tries to explain, but it just doesn't work. So he opens the door. Here, take a fucking look, right? And there in his room, sitting in a chair with a very masculine body, wearing a robe, but also completely covered in bandages, mm-hmm. right, is this thing with a with a big masculine body, but sitting very feminine. Mm-hmm. Directly underneath a painting of what looks like Adam and Eve, holding an apple together right he's like right between there is <laughs> some subtle it's symbolism. just a little subtle right like he didn't go crazy he didn't want to put it in your face that there's a merger of these two people and it's he's he he or she or however you want to say you know larry at this point anyway mm-hmm. you know is just sitting there and he's kind of glowing kind of letting out a little bit of radiation or something but he's he's glowing <laughs> A little friendly radiation. Exactly, you know? And so, you know, they come in, and she, Larry is talking really strangely as well. And just just like the apparition or whatever it was that merged them, kind of speaking the same, not as unknowable, right? It wasn't as, it's not as strange, but... Sounds like frantic. Yeah, not as frantic, not as metaphorical, I guess, or... Got it. It's a little more to the point, but still strange. You know, uh, my race is mixed. My sex is mixed. Uh, I am woman and man and light with darkness mixed, mixed, right? So it's he's he's trying to say to them, "Hey, I'm all of that shit," right? But then he also says something strange. He or she or whatever says something strange. Says, "I am nothing special, nothing pure. I am mud and flame." And then Chief is like, "Okay, like I see." He's just, he's taking it all in. He's not making any judgments. Uh, Joshua doesn't say shit. It's just like, what the fuck? It's a very strange scene, right? Yeah. And then once again, a very quick scene. We cut away and we cut away to what seems just like a random house. And it says that it's in Greenock. I, I, I have no idea where that might be. Maybe somewhere over in New York. So there we see a little kid. He's reading a naughty book. And he's worried about Sunday when he has to go to confession. <laughs> he's in his room with the door locked. It's raining and storming outside. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's thinking to himself about, oh, you know, what do I do? I don't want to have to lie. And, you know, am I going to get in trouble? Is this evil? Blah, 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 blah. And then he hears, he hears something in the wardrobe. He gets up to investigate any kid would, right? Mm-hmm. And he he's, you know, thinking to himself about, you know, how he's going to be in trouble. But as he's opening these doors... Again, the artist does a very good job of of surprise. This kid is scared, and it's obvious, mm-hmm. right? So he opens the doors, mm-hmm. and then we cut away to his father, who's knocking on the door. Okay. And uh, the the father is coming up to to like, hey, you know, dinner, uh-huh. and he's knocking. So he's, so he's not alarmed. He, he wasn't no. alarmed by something. There, nothing brought his attention. No, there. and on okay. the page, there's no scream. Like there's no word bubble for okay. a screaming like that. It's just pure shock. Got it. 
So the dad is trying the doorknob. Hey, it's right. Let's let's, come on. (laughs) His name is Stuart. The little little boy's name is Stuart. Stuart doesn't answer. The door is locked. And so the dad just right away just busts through the door. <laughs> like usually parents will kind of come back, give the kid time, you know. But no, this guy is. Especially if you have a, a teenage mm-hmm. son who has locked his door. <laughs> and is not answering. <laughs> Knock situation and come back exactly. later. Exactly. Situation. That's not something I want to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, I have three teenage boys. Yeah, you got to be careful the doors you open around here. Yeah, you just you just keep yeah. moving. Doors closed, yeah. keep walking. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll check in in 15 <laughs> minutes. Not this guy. This guy's like, fuck that. And he just, he crashes through the door. And what he's confronted with is on the page, it's just a white silhouette of a, of a boy, you know, with his hands okay. in the air, right? And his mouth is kind of agape. And then it shows kind of the other angle. And his father's like, oh, Jesus, he's covering his mouth. And he's like, like cut out of the world. It says, no sun now, but a stencil shape in the air, a hollow wind in an empty room. There is no time. There is no space. And the father, you know, his face is just pure terror, pure horror. Like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. So. Okay. So, so the, it's so, it's almost like a two-dimensional thing. Yeah. Like, like two-dimensional. The, the kid has just been cut out of existence. Yes. So, so there's just a hole there. Imagine if. Imagine if you were, it's hard to say. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a two-dimensional yeah. cutout of a kid shape with his hands in the air. Wow. And, and yeah, it's, it's huh. freaking the dad out, to say the least. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that's, that's perfectly warranted freaking mm-hmm. out behavior. <laughs> and we're left with the dad's face in utter terror, and we cut back yet again to uh, Larry and Chief in the hospital. And, you know, he's interviewing him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And he corrects chief by saying that he is not larry nor is he eleanor but instead he wants to be called rebus Hmm. and uh it's later explained by chief that rebus is an old school term that alchemists used to use of course and it's um it was used in the identifying the results of a chemical wedding so a rebus is the result of an experiment oh that's clever yeah that's a that's a neat term i mean it, it, it's an alchemy term so it's probably not used much anymore i'm gonna assume not <laughs> i did zero research on the word so i'm taking the book's writer <laughs> <laughs> grant morrison's uh um description of it i tr- sounds right I trust yeah it sounds good to me right yeah it's fine <laughs> uh interesting though uh rebus or rebus i don't know how to say it he he says the second way sounds like he's a frog i did that rebus rebus <laughs> Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll go Rebus. Rebus works. Um, he doesn't say call me Rebus. It says call us Rebus. So Okay, so it's, it's still figuring itself yeah, as two things. three things. Okay. three. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Because you get the the nurse, Larry, and... And, and the apparition the thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, he's asking these questions, and, and, you know, Rebus is like, you know what? We're tired. Please leave. Right to the point. And he's like, okay. He jams the fuck out. And it shows Rebus standing up to take his rope, hurt it, their robe off. <laughs> Rebus stands up to take their robe off. Okay. And, you know, it, the next page is talking about how, you know, it's a nightmare for poor Larry. And, you know, Joshua's finally speaking. And, and that's when Chief describes or tells Joshua what Rebus actually means is in that scene. But he says, oh, wait, you know what? I need to I need to actually go back and ask Rebus a question. 
even though he was just asked to leave, he just opens the door and says, you know, Rebus. And we see Rebus floating in the air. Now, again, this is a very muscular, like masculine shape and glowing that same yellow glow floating in the air. And she just, he, they kind of turn their head back and say, yes. And Rebus has these huge boobs. <laughs> so once again, literally illustrating that it is a joint of a man and a woman, right? <laughs> and so it's a masculine body with the breasts and the, the way the posture is feminine. And the it's three folks in one bandaged body that's male, female, and glowing and floating. So there you go. And he just walks in. He sees her floating, him, her, it floating there. And he's just like, he doesn't say anything about that shit. He doesn't mention her breasts, his breasts, whatever. And he's just like, how would you like to join the Doom Patrol? Like none of this. <laughs> I got bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Nothing phases <laughs> this guy. This is, this is like, it's like whatever. So you're floating and you have boobs and you're in bandages and you're glowing and whatever. I want to join my team. Yeah. Like obviously you're fucking cool. <laughs> You got some shit going on. <laughs> these are all these are all attributes I like. Would yeah. you like to join my team? Please? Everything about you screams Doom Patrol. <laughs> so in Larry was already on the Doom Patrol. I'm gonna assume that this apparition thing lived in Larry's yeah, body. Right. Yeah, he seems and would gave him. him powers. Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. you know, he he's a little familiar. Again, I wasn't and yeah. still am not. I don't know what the fuck this book is about. <laughs> So we end on that, and again, jump, another jump. We're back with Cliff and Will, and I got to assume that this is some time has passed, but old Will, he's wearing the same shit, um, but his tie, his tie has changed to a black tie instead of a green tie, so I think that's the clue that it is a different day. That it's a different day or it's a different inker. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knows how they are deciding to do shadow in this book. There's... Yeah, they, they just missed the that, that green plate pass uh, on the press. <laughs> Very possible. And his, I mean, this is a scan. These books are definitely, their color is a little wonky. But, so we're back with, with Will and Cliff, and, you know, he's he's better cliff is feeling better and it's it's good you know it's good yeah and obviously working with crazy jane was a good idea and he's doing a lot better but will kind of drops the bomb on him like hey i listened to you when you said that this clunky metal body is a piece of shit and will <laughs> took that to heart and he says you know what bro i'm gonna make you a new body no that's nice and he just walks out and he's and cliff is just kind of like huh like all right that's cool. And uh, it's at this point that Crazy Jane comes up and she's like, hey, let's go take a walk. I want to talk to you. And she introduces herself not as Crazy Jane at this point, but as Driver 8. And um, Cliff is having a hard time keeping track of what he calls all of your personalities. I was just thinking, like, I, I loved Driver 8. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many Driver games there were, but I really liked <laughs> Driver. Oh yeah, I remember those games. I do. Yeah, they were games. they were hella good. <laughs> I don't know if they made eight of them. I don't think they made eight of them. Driver. Those were fun games though. Uh, but Cliff is he's having a hard time keeping track of all these personalities, and he uses the word personalities. And Driver, it's like, whoa, bro, we're persons. We're not personalities. We're persons. Get woke. And she's like, hey, let's talk. So they go outside, and you know they're they're just talking about some stuff. I don't want to get into it too much. I'm already going panel by panel, it seems. <laughs> and they're just having a discussion. Basically, the gist of the conversation is that a lot of 
her persons um really like cliff like they you know he's a good guy they've he's been a huge help you know and even driver eight driver eight likes him and and all these other people really like cliffs and so it's just kind of like hey you know we're buddies we appreciate you and then cliff is like he's like you know hey i'm a wonderful guy what can you do you know he's he's all like yeah you know of course you like so he's there to ruin the moment yeah (laughs) exactly you know he's he's taking it in stride Right in the middle of this nice, heartwarming conversation, no weird shit happening, weird shit happens. Oh, yeah, we were due for something. Exactly. And that poor sucker who was cutting himself in the beginning of the last book falls or crashes or is thrown or dives or whatever. I'm going to guess that he throws himself out of the third story window of the building of the institution. And he just splats right in between them. Like, like there's those two, and then there's the guy on the ground. Oh, my God. How romantic. Poor, yeah, poor <laughs> Ralph is all twisted up, oh. and his hands are like, you know how, like, you uh, would signal somebody scissors? You use your fingers, and you kind of yeah, cut. Yeah. His, hand, his yeah. fingers are just going nuts, like cutting, cutting motion. So, like, like, like a crazy Dave Coulier <laughs> on Full House. <laughs> yeah, he's just, yeah, cut it out. Cut it out <laughs> as he dies. Like, cut it. Exactly. <sighs> Instead of saying that, he's saying... Scissorman over and over again, and then he's saying snip snap, and he's using his fingers, so he's snip 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 me like a scissors, right? Yeah, that is way creepier than Dave. Yeah, Williams yeah, it's it would be interesting if he did that though, like just came in the show and like just like menacingly looked at people, was snip. like snip snap, then <laughs> just like walked off. And then he's like, fast as fast can be, you'll never catch me. And then me. Full House is immediately canceled. <laughs> uh, I hated that show. So Cliff is as we actually get a little bit of um a little bit of insight to what Cliff feels for other people. He immediately is like, Hey, just chill. Don't move. We're going to get some help. Right. So, so mm. Cliff is, he's, he might be a sad sack, but he cares about people. And he's good in a, you know, in a tense situation. Yeah. Like, yeah. He stayed uh, calm. He's just like, don't, don't move. Yeah. And crazy Jane is in the background with a hand over her mouth. Like, fuck. Yeah. The, the crazy person is having the sane reaction. Exactly. So, so poor Ralph dies. Mm. He, he croaks his hand falls to the ground and his hand still in the scissor position and another quick cut and we're on to a uh we're in the subway and we're confronted with a guy who is trying to convince himself that it's not stealing if he has found something hey i found it it's not stealing and he's he's looking at this and it's that sphere that i told you about from earlier that i totally missed Ah. when i first read through this this guy on the train i was like who the fuck is this guy on the train and why do i care about him and his sphere thing why are we following yeah why are yeah and, it, and it's literally one, two, it's, yeah, it's two pages, right? And, it, and it's like, why do I care about this guy? He's <laughs> holding that sphere thing that uh, he had found, I guess, in the hospital. Yeah, right. And he says, you know, he's still trying to convince himself that he didn't steal it. And he's also, you know, he knows this line. He's, he's so familiar with this train line that he, he know he knows what's coming next. Chambers, Franklin, mm-hmm. Canal, Houston, Christopher. And he's kind of listing off as he's going what the next stop is and he's looking into this thing and he says the way it moves moves without moving the way it folds and unfolds and enfolds so it's this thing is obviously otherworldly it doesn't make any sense it, it, he's holding it it's solid but it's moving and it's turning and churning right and he's kind of hypnotized by it neat yeah. And before he knows it. Also, like if I found that, that is not something I would keep in no, my pocket. No, no. Yeah. And he, like, he literally <laughs> takes it out of his coat pocket and he's looking at it. It's like, why? What are you doing? Yeah. Like if you weren't sterile before, <laughs> congratulations. You, yeah. No more kids. No way. You keeping this in your pocket all day was a good idea. 
It's like, you know, don't put the hot laptop on your crotch, man. It's like probably the first person who discovered mercury. <laughs> like, oh, this is oh. neat. I wonder what it tastes oh. like. And then that was it. What a sad story <laughs> that must be. So so he's he's riding along. And the next page shows that he questions the next stop. The next stop says, and I'm going to I'm gonna spell it out for you because I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. I'm going to guess. Okay. It's O-R-Q-W-I-T-H. Orkwith. Well, that's what it I'm, just sounds like to uh, me. Ork, Orkwith. Orkwith. Is that a real place? It is not. Okay. And that's, yeah, I didn't think that's so. That's why like, he questions it. it, it the, the, who named it Orkwith? The sign of his stop says Orkwith, and it's not supposed to be Orkwith. I wonder if Orkwith is a is an anagram. Oh, it might be. Yeah. Because I was thinking, well, it's not anything backwards, but I yeah, I wonder if it's an it anagram. Could, for, well, that would be weird. There's no U in it. I wonder where the Q. Anyways. It's probably like an anagram for his like grandmother's name or something. Probably some weird. something, some weird Scot. He's Scottish, right, or Irish? It, you know what? It's probably a spell. And congratulations, you just reanimated some corpses somewhere <laughs> in Scotland. Hey, like the fact that we said it together is it like that was enough. I look forward to that news story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, surprise! Uh, this is us from the future, just cutting in here from the editing room. This conversation actually keeps going on for quite a bit longer, so we thought we would break it up a little bit, give you time to take a breather, and let your brain stop cramping up like a kid in the deep end who just ate both his and his brother's sandwiches. So anyway, we'll be back next week with the second half of our conversation, along with the hold list and hero of the week, all that stuff you love. Plus, next week, my hold list item will be absolutely worth the insane amount of copyright strikes we'll catch for it on YouTube. So... That'll do it for Mind in the Multiverse. I am Gabriel. And I am Jeremy. And remember, all of this is now canon.